All right, let's talk goal setting. So, um, do you want do you want to start for the? Yeah, <clears throat> still haven't thought about how to tackle this question. I've done actually. I think I've done. I've done two podcasts on this before. Um, but I think we we had a discussion just before we started this podcast, and you know it comes to a point where when things become difficult with someone's training and diet um, and just life in general sometimes the why starts to play a really big role on why we're achieving a certain goal so then from a coaching perspective we always want to find a motivation behind someone's objective so Mm. it's pretty common that someone will come up with something something specific now, unless that person is very experienced or unless that person is competing with very specific cause, even then, even, the, even if they're competing, I still have to question exact motivations behind their why. Yeah. But we need to establish a why to then solve a problem because most of the time people will set their own goal based off a why that they don't under, quite understand yet. So... They'll think a certain outcome or an objective will develop, will create, will create, will solve a problem or, right, you know, and the thing is, if that's the wrong solution to the problem, then you, you become dissatisfied or you start to, like, like you said, how you doing with your diet, you start questioning the process. Hmm. So why is it important? And if let's look at something simple like i want to lose 20 kilos someone wants to lose 20 kilos yes okay um i had someone recently saying they wanted to lose exactly 85 kilos although not 85 once get down to 85 kilos they were 100 and 110 it's a big it's a big drop and it's a very that's a weirdly specific number yes so why why um you know they felt a bit out of shape. They felt um, they had a few other things going on. They were they were drinking a lot, and mm. you know they had so there was obviously a bit of um, a bit of substance use there for and so. But why? But why that number? So obviously they're dissatisfied with their current you know lifestyle. So you know why that specific number? And um, it turns out that that's what they weighed when they were happier with what their body looked like, you know? Right. And so the motivation is that they want to, you know, obviously improve, improve some of the quality of their life, but it's also driven by the way they looked and where, and the only reference they have is when they were 85 kilos. Right. And, and I presume obviously many years younger. Yeah. Right. Which, which straight away is a, makes it unreasonable doesn't it i guess um because the motivation was quite high we slightly adjusted slightly adjusted the goal mm. um and then create it ex- and then extended on it so basically what a tendency that people have is that they'll have a sh- they'll have an idea to point one which is their initial goal mm. what's the strategy what's the strategy after because it should be congruent. The strategy after should be congruent with, with 
basically, a, a, let's say a long-term strategy. Now, people's like, oh, I don't want a long-term, I don't have a long-term strategy, I just want to you know, get lean in 12 weeks or 20 weeks or whatever it is. And it's like, well, think of then a broader, a broader picture. Why do you train? Do you plan on, I had this in another conversation with somebody else. It's like he had some, he had some, he had some obviously life style issues, which was causing him pretty extreme fatigue and training. Right. And, um, and was became developed, you know, became sensitive about eating more carbohydrates. And mm-hmm. it turned out, it, it turned out, you know, he didn't, he didn't even know, it turned out had a fair bit of anxiety. Yeah. And so after some pretty long discussions with him, um, we finally came to, um, you know, an answer to why we're discovering all these issues so often with training. And so, because he initially came because he wanted to feel better about training, but it wasn't improving. No matter what recovery strategy we try to implement, nutrition strategy we try to implement, um, things weren't things weren't working so we did discover the side was just huge stress huge anxiety which he didn't really understand so right basically now that we have a possible which is a pretty strong you know candidate for the answer to to the problem we've been trying to solve um we had to readjust basically how we're going to approach it and i said because he's basically services, he, he can stop our services now. We're like basically, we do initial pack package, which lasts twelve, yep. which lasts twelve weeks, and basically from there they move on to a long term management plan. Um, and then we suggested like it's going to have to be one year, one year of work with us at least. Yes, that's a really long time. And so this is when I established, you know, what the long term motivation behind this is like do you see yourself training at all in one year's time? Mm. You know, if the answer is yes, then there is no doubt why you shouldn't be taken on this service. Of course. Because you're just going to go exactly back to where you were. We need to solve this problem from a different perspective in in terms of trying to reduce the level of stress anxiety through multiple means, not just through us, but then through through therapy and through, Mm. um, you know, management of planning and lifestyle and, and strategically only loading you in areas that are going to keep the stress at a minimum. So it means if we have to take out nutrition for some time, which is what we did, it's like, we're going to take it out and just focus on, see if we can get you training with energy at the gym. Um, Interesting. So, you know, but that was a, you know, pretty, pretty severe, severe case, which when someone doesn't have an understanding about, their own, how their own physiological response to stress and anxiety is then, um, they don't understand, they don't understand, but basically the why is that, you know, wanting to feel good again about training said and felt good. And obviously that person sees themselves training in many years time. So, but they then look at, you know, me saying that we have to at least commit to one year, Mm. then that's, that's looking at, that's looking at something like a lot, that's looking at the long-term strategy. So the long-term strategy for cutting, doing a short, a short, pretty hard cut is that how is that conducive to the long-term strategy of our plan? So how do we work ourselves? How do we start to create a bigger purpose? Why do we do something specific? Because the motivation needs to maintain after we have made goal A Mm. because people have a tendency to just go back to default 
Yeah, of course. It's like, it's, <clears throat> well, it's like what then? You you've got to the top of the mountain. What the, what then? Mm. Um, and for most people, that, that's just to go back down the other side. Um, do you, do you do you find that when you're having these conversations with people, that the vast majority of people actually don't either don't know their why, or don't want to acknowledge the real why? I think people just don't think about it long enough or hard enough Mm. um, to understand their emotion and motivation behind something. And it's easy just to see what the short-term outcome is going to be, is that if I look better, I'll feel better. Because right now they feel shit when Mm. they look at themselves. Um, obviously we're talking about specifically body image we can go to performance stuff as well there's some stuff there as well yeah but it's just more common to deal with this in terms of a body image yeah kind of kind of way and that um, I think this short term strategy will fix a long term effect so now what I have a tendency to try and do is establish a greater why so I can create a longer term plan um, because a long-term strategy is sustainable to making long-term progress and making keeping progress that you've worked hard for. Um, because when people fall back into default behaviors, it's basically behaviors that hadn't been taught. And if we break up the stages of intensity to how hard we work towards something, say, let's say, something strict and rigid that requires a high level of discipline doesn't require much education. Yeah. It just requires you discipline to follow, to follow something where trying to let someone just train for health and, and and eat a bit more instinctively requires an understanding of nutrition and training and, and self-awareness of body to maintain or can make some even slow progress because that meth, that type of method is, uh, sustainable, sustainable because it gives you gives you a break without falling off the wagon. So, what do they naturally do if we say you have no diet? Do they go back to eating crap? Do they go back to overeating, mm. or have they established new behaviors such as you know how to construct a meal, how to time meals, how to eat around, how to time food around training, how to um, moderate food intake. Um, so this is where um, we have to start establishing as you're, as well as you're heading towards your long-term goals is developing um, behaviors that are going to be sustainable for a long-term goal, mm. you know, because obviously a strict strategy isn't sustainable, but a strict strategy is something that is needed to attain a very specific goal. This is why I don't like when people say, um, oh, is, is something... It's like, oh, you got to find something you can always always sustain. It's not really true. You know, you need to find something that if you want to attain a certain specific goal, it creates a huge amount of work, huge amount of discipline, and then it has to be, and it, it has to be strict. Mm, okay. Um, but it's in the context of a long-term goal is that how do we have a long-term strategy where we spend time not being like that so that we can have understanding and reflect on what happens to our body, what it goes through during those strict periods, you know, um, the way we think about food, the way we think about our bodies, and they all start, you know, say, let's go getting worse. Mm. But 
it becomes part of the process and having greater understanding beyond beyond just what feels good have an understanding on what stresses your body what what um and what you can sustain is is education in a way that allows you to make ongoing long-term progress so what 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 are some examples so um for me i i can't i can't think of anything harder than for for less taught non-competitors right so these are just normal people I would guess that the that the majority of um, goals for these people are probably aesthetic based. Um, if you have these people, they're not competing. There's no bigger drive there. The, the training they come to you with thinking that the training is a means to an end. What kind of longer term goals can you present to somebody who wants to, you know, get to eighty five kilos? Like what kind of things are we talking about? Well, he, he, it, it, it's it's not that it's not that difficult. Like it's just first find whys behind the initial initial goal. Hmm. Like we said with the eighty five kilo kind of um, example, um, one was quality of life. Okay, so what do I know about trying to maintain high quality of life? Well, eating well, exercising and moving every day um, is going to address most health issues. That's not my opinion. Yeah, yeah. That is just standard across any field of health and exercise is that if you eat well mm. and exercise, you'll have you'll live longer, you'll have better quality of life, less illness, um, so less depression, less anxiety um, in general. So let's look at let's look at let's look at that as a as a as a long term strategy. If it's a motivation, then um, we have to establish goals around that. So what do we need? We need to then um, have a create awareness about our having that type of long term strategy. We have to create awareness about nutrition. So yep. both how to rigidly stick to a plan and also then both how to sustain a long term eating habit. Um, so then that becomes my, um, my drive over the next, say, cause over the next four months, we're going to try and get, we're going to try and get this person, um, person down. And, um, over that time, we're going to start trying to establish long-term, long-term behaviors mm. and also then strategize goals that are going to be say more effective around, uh, around training, around training, um, perhaps looking at how this person can build build muscle so you know we can look at muscle as um a form of you know metabolic credit credit yeah because the more muscle more muscle we have um the more know, your baseline calorific expenditure yeah, and is. just general health and well-being is going to improve and you know weight training improve improves um bone density, muscle atrophy over time, mm. reduce the risk of injury. Um, things don't feel hard, mm. you know. Coming back to life. So, you know, one thing he quite doesn't have in concept yet um, is that, you know, he wants to look at the next big hard goal. So, essentially, 
what we're going to do is, you know, understand his long-term strategy. He, want, he wants to look better, wants to feel better, and that um, we're going to now implement and understand and give him education about understanding what that means in the bigger picture. It means that we need a way to enjoy enjoy what we eat. We need a way to enjoy how we train. If his long-term goal is is that, but he's only looking at, people only can see through very small windows where it's like, I want to hit 85, then I want to hit this percentage of body fat. And I want yep. to do this. Yep. It's like, basically, we'll only go through this first stage of intense because it creates um, it creates discipline, it creates understanding, it, it gives us time to educate, to understand yep. what it takes things to be strict. But then I will diverge, I'll most likely diverge as go into a different into a different direction um, that is conducive to that long-term strategy, but he has to understand. And then that's what my job will be is to create understanding on what, what that long-term plan means. And if he has another big goal, right, obviously it's not immediate, you know, we've achieved goal A, then we can implement that plan after we have worked on building food intake back up, increasing training quality, building some muscle and get him to understand that this approach is important because after a three month, three, four month cut, hard cut, you know, it takes three, four months to then try and maintain that progress, you know? So then that's a good time to then focus on, focus on just general health behaviors um, Mm -hmm. and trying to establish enjoyment and understanding of food and training. Um, how 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 hard are you pushing these people training wise? Obviously, because because when, when you're when you're training competitors, um, in the end you're pushing them all the way, right? But if you've got somebody who like that, are you pushing them as far in training, or are you just trying to keep it enjoyable? No, because I, because because the training goal. Obviously, I don't do I don't do anything. I don't not, nothing nothing. I don't ever program anything for enjoyment. It's stupid, <laughs> you know. Um, uh, everything has a specific specific need, you know. We need we need to just we need to be able to train and 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 be able to train for something in the future, you know, mm. whether that training is enjoyable or not. Um, you should be enjoying learning to enjoy the process, and that's what matters matters most. You know, people who just want to enjoy the exercise, they go pick a class or something, you know? Yeah, I feel like... There's no different. Me picking a random exercise for enjoyment, and um, I've said it to people, it's like, if you want me to write something to enjoyment, just go do a freaking class. It has the exact same effect. You're just doing exercise. You want to work out, not train. Training is different to working out. Mm. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't know how to write a plan that's just for fun, you know? Mm. Um, But... I push any. I push. I push everyone hard as hard as, as hard as they're they're capable of doing. But what people's capacity is is different, very different. I have people. Mm. I have some people training, having some ridiculous level of volume, and I have some people doing like two exercises. You know, um, I have some people doing hardly like doing hardly anything. You know, but because this 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 guy's in lockdown, so. We can't really train at all. All oh, right, so he's in um, Melbourne, yeah. Um, however, um, in context with, with other people, is that you know I only train people to their capacity, and I push their capacity, 
um, in strategic ways. You know, everyone, you know, there's no cookie cutter approach. You yeah, know, course, saying like, yeah. do you train everyone hard? It's like, well, I train everyone as hard as they can do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. Know, if that's three exercises or 20 exercises, that's for them, mm. you know. No, there's no, there's no, you'll look at, if you look at every single opponent, not a single one's the same. Not a single one of them's the same. Because um, everyone has, you know, different capacity. So, um, so I guess let's reel it back into, um, I guess understanding the why is the understanding the why is important to developing a long-term strategy and motivation um, and keeping someone focused on, on that mm. with, with short long-term strategies that are conducive to that long-term, that long-term plan. And, um, and it, it's the same with performance as well. People want to put a lot into competitions you know, they want to yeah. make a certain weight class. They want to hit certain numbers, and um, putting that amount of stress on someone who is new. Um, we tried to create understanding that strength and training is a long term, is a, no matter what, a long term strategy, and yeah. that we can attain these goals. But let's focus on some of the most important things first. Like, can we improve? I mean, just first off, get stronger with squat, bench, and deadlift. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? And it'd be surprising, like, well, isn't that the goal of powerlifting? It's like, yes, but not that's not what everyone wants to do. Mm. Um, so being able to strategically manage, you know, their long-term motivations, which for some people who powerlifting isn't just powerlifting. Sometimes it is just better quality of life. They just enjoy powerlifting as well. That's Compe- probably where I sit, yeah. Um, <clears throat> so um, being able to strategically plan around competitions and and developing strategies to help with their long term lifestyle and trying to, you know, create understandings like what's what's the best approach? What's the best approach for them? So we have some mm. people who are who want to long term lose lose a fair a fair bit of weight, but we'll do it strategically around competitions. So we'll generally, you know, have some long term cutting cutting plans, but we're normally a lot slower with powerlifters because they have performance to maintain. Um and then we'll have that with strategic refeed periods so that they can maximize training performance, mm-hmm. which is then long-term is better for metabolic health when you're doing periods of cutting and refeed and strategic refeeding to um, you know prevent severe adaptations to long-term deficit diets, you know. Yep. Um, and moving uh, moving forward, that's just kind of the strategy we take is that, you know, the better we can get someone thinking long-term, the more sustainable that, you know, that goal is. And the goal, and for everyone, the goal does evolve. But usually the general motivation behind why they initially came to seeing you, then usually that always stays, you know. For me, it's always been, I just want to be one of the, I just want to, be a strong, one of the strongest competitors in Australia. Yeah. And that doesn't change, but, you know, the the, the method behind the process to getting there changes. Um, the short-term goals within that long-term motivation changes, but the direction's still the same, um, which then keeps you quite quite motivated. You know, I've never deviated from wanting that. Mm. You know? is, that, is that similar with, with your other competitors that you coach as well? Like... Um, 
do they, are all their motivations, and we're talking about you elite lifters now, are all their motivations, I want to be the strongest, or do some of them, are some of them less competitive with other people and more competitive with themselves? Are, are there are there any of your elite lifters who are ha- like more focused, not, not more focused, but at least a little bit focused on their general lifestyle, or are they all just balls to the wall, all in? No, well, here's here's the here's the uh, here's the um, tricky bit is most of those people who are on the high spectrum of you know being very competitive are there because they are hyper focused on one attaining attaining only being the best, yeah, which then works sometimes against them because oh. what is important is health and general life, the way we feel about that is very, very important in terms of maxim in terms of maximizing both our training, both physically and mentally. Mm. So neglecting neglecting um, one's health um, in terms of trying to better their training is usually counterproductive. So normally what we do is that for those individuals, we have to, you know, create an understanding that it that that is also important and putting work into the way you feel and the way uh and your and your health you know um is gonna play a big role in terms of how much longer you can compete and most of these people who compete at elite level want to do it for the rest of their lives and mm. it's not going to happen if they aren't looking after their health so, so do you do you have to regularly um, enforce that on them? No, I don't enforce anything. Like, okay, I educate. Right. Okay. The, the the key is education. I can't. I don't. The more advanced and the longer they work with me, the less I intervene. Mm. Okay. Um, I don't need to hold it. If I have to hold their hand, they're not going to be successful. Yeah. At all. If someone's still in year four. Uh, like asking asking questions about you know you know how do I put it um, you know still questioning if they should look after their health or not yeah. you know or if I have to still hold their hand and tell them you know how to eat mm. and how to you know how to look after your body in an off season and how to you know go see a doctor because your you know your freaking heart rate's coming out of your mouth and the thing is there are people who will just completely neglect their health just purely for performance and just take more drugs and take more yeah. and work work even harder and just to attain a goal, which, which then they just fight in an uphill battle. Yeah, fizzle out. Know. Yeah. Um, and I get people who are like that too, who, who are very elite but very poor health and trying to get their focus on their health can, is, is a long, long journey. And that's all I do with some of these people mm. is that I've, you know, I get a lot of people who, have, who are very, very, who have been very competitive, very strong. And all I do, I don't do anything special with these people. I teach them how to look after their health. I teach them how to move better. I teach them how to get out of pain. And you know what? Their performance skyrockets. Mm. I don't have to worry about anything more. It's it's their performance. It's already there. You just provide that balance. Yeah. If I had someone from the start who have addressed everything and built everything, you know, they know how to look after themselves. They don't need me to hold their hand. Um, they, they, I'm their, 
think of it as their advisor and mm. what they need to do for training and nutrition and they just do um those are the people who end up being the strongest those are my really elite athletes so i don't have strong people it doesn't mean they're elite you know mm. i have like Sarah, like Sarah Rainbow is probably one of my you know biggest competitors, um, and I've had a, I've had a, had a, have had a fair few, but um, she has everything nailed down. Yeah, I've heard you say that a number of times. Like she's no stones left unturned. Yeah, this, yeah. this is why she last week she totaled six eighty in the gym. That's like no one in Australia has even come close to that. You know, so she is, you know, currently the strongest female there is in Australia, mm. by far. Um, and at nationals, even forget that that's only twenty kilos of seven hundred. You know, most of the men aren't doing that. Most highly competitive men aren't doing that. She's not just beating just men in general. She's beating, she's beating men who are very competitive in this sport. Yeah. You know. No, I, I always look at numbers and go, fuck. Like, yeah, that's on a, that's another planet to me. Absolute different planet, different human being. Um, but establishing the why, establishing the why is, is very, very important. That can be very hard, very hard to do and very hard to find. Well, a lot, a lot of people... I mean, I think I'm guilty of this. A lot of people lie to themselves as well or don't want to actually ask themselves the hard questions. Mm. So you get like a surface level response. Mm -hmm. It can be quite intimidating for some people, Mm. especially if there's other shit going on there, like you've got like uh, mental health problems or um, you can convince yourself of what your why is and, and and you know, if you go any deeper, it's completely different. Um that's got to be the hardest thing, I guess, working out whether someone's being truthful or not. Mm. Like, can you spot that a mile away? Usually? Not always. No. It's just, you can tell, you can tell what a bullshit goal is. Um, yeah. Um, but no matter what, you should always try and find an underlying motivation behind what brought them. Mm. You know, ask it in different ways. Why do they come see me? Why are they, why do they go to the gym? Why the specific goal? And then it's like if they have an answer for that goal, it's like, why do you feel why do you feel like that? You know, what drove you to make that decision? Why that number? And you'll get many different answers and then you'll start to find a motivation because obviously there's always a self-interested motivation behind every decision we make. And it could be several rabbit holes down. You know, it could be yeah. you know, this goal could have came up by three or four layers of yep. you know, trying to, of different of different goals, which then we finally found the underlying motivation you don't always find it and a lot of times they don't even might not even know themselves um but it allows us to define it allows us to solve a specific problem and when we can find that specific problem we can find the best solution that is going to sustain long-term progress yeah you know and keep that progress and so you know someone who wants to make a really big weight cut or make a really big change, it's like then we can, if we can establish a why, then we could pick a better goal. So for a lot of times we've had people want to pick um, pick a certain weight. Turns out they just want to they just want to look a certain way, right? And it turns out that this person's got to gain weight. So mm. you know because some of these people, some people, like, example, people come to me, it's like, oh yeah, I think I need, I want to lose five kilos. Yeah, and they're like fifty five kilos. 
Yeah. <laughs> um, it's like, okay. So then once we find out the motivation, we try to create understanding, you know, and I'll do this one in one session. Yeah. It's like, it's like, okay, so you want to, you, you want, you ideally want to look like this. This means, you know, this means that, you know, we need to increase muscle. but either maintaining or reducing, reducing body fat for that, for that to make a significant impact, losing five kilos right now from a very small frame is just going to make you the smaller version of the same, same ugly mm-hmm. self. Yeah. You know, um, so, <clears throat> um, if it's definition we're after, by the way, we're looking, especially if we're really light, then you need to gain muscle. You know, that could be maintaining the weight or gaining weight. And for someone who is small, let's say, assume they already had, you know, very insignificant amount of muscle mass, you're probably going to put on five, you know, it's common to put on five to eight kilos of lean body mass within their first six to 12 months. Um, even as someone who's built that small, um, um, especially if they've had no experience in, in weight training. Yeah. So, so yeah, you're going to gain, you're probably going to gain a fair bit of weight, but you're going to look drastically different. I, I actually had this, um, I actually had a conversation with one of your lifters. This was a couple of years ago. Um, one of your smaller female lifters, who mm. I, I'm pretty sure you, she's still competing, you're still training her. And you'll know who I'm talking about as soon as I go through the case, which basically she said, oh, I was a serial overtrainer under eater mm. and the first thing you did was make her eat more mm. and there was a she had a massive like took a while to for her to get that trust there mm. and then she realized even though she was eating more her body changed but her weight hadn't changed at all mm. it, she, it's like she'd achieved equilibrium and then she got hooked on powerlifting and then um but i remember talking to her and she was like took me heaps of like heaps of time to stop worrying mm. and just trusting in in the process and eating more um and i think i think a lot of women will struggle with that mm. i i would i would argue more more than men because because socially be you just hit with be lighter be smaller mm. you know and it, it just doesn't it, it just doesn't work that way does it it just they all think, and then they say, you know, everyone has, you know, have some consciousness about their, about their body image, and the more the f- they fixate on it, obviously, the more obsessive yeah. you get over it, and it's just going to happen, even in, um, even as a league competitor, if, if anything, the research shows, and even through observation, is that people in sport are worse. Um, yeah, yeah, because um, they're so detail focused about their own performance, their own body, right? It's, mm. it's part of the equation. Yeah, so it's always part of it's always part of it. Um, and you know it's just been it's just been as a coach smart about the approach and talk, having the tough discussions and and um actually it's probably the best way i've i've managed most of it even like post say post bodybuilding competitions mm-hmm. is usually the hardest when people blow out yeah um because they haven't you know they're extreme hard rigidness for very long periods of time you have to have a strategic plan coming out. And the best way I find that is actually is, is, is just teaching them what mentally they're going to go through, um, what they're going to feel, how they're going to feel, what, you know, discuss their relationship with their food, what their, you know, what thoughts are going through their head when they, you know, want to eat food and, Mm. and what, how they're going to feel when they eat it. And, and having those really tough discussions about their emotion is what actually has helped 
well, all my bodybuilders yeah. who I've had who've had compete not blow out. I haven't had anyone massively blow out ever. Mm. And that's because every nearly every time we we consult or, or chat with them, there's that line of conversation every time. Is their relationship and with their food and the more they understand it, the more they can reflect on those behaviors then the better they are about not knowing what to anticipate and already knowing how they want to behave yeah. when that happens. Because no matter what, you're going to want to, they're going to want to binge. You know, it's just going to be there. <laughs> so it's just being strategic about understanding why they want to binge. Yeah. You know, and, um, and eating, you know, I try and teach people about trying to enjoy food rather than, being a gluttonous pig and having those giant burgers and things like that. So that's just that's just to fill that's just to fill mm. the void of dopamine and serotonin in the brain that your body's been missing. Yeah, you know, fat, sugar, and salt, lots of it. You know, piloted. Yeah. So, you know, but what do you enjoy, what foods do you truly truly enjoy? You know, um, um, and I like all sorts. Like me personally, I like all sorts of cuisine. I like, you know, um, like. Vietnamese, Italian, mm. Thai, Japanese food. And so, you know, I try and, you know, I think about food is what foods do I actually enjoy? And then where am I just thinking about calories? Because, mm. you know, I'll, I'll fit in, I'll fit in my head. It's like all of a sudden, you know, you just crave McDonald's. So what, what is, what is McDonald's? It's a very high dense, very high dense fats, high dense carbohydrates and sodium. You know, the three, the big three, that create, you know, I, yeah. nice chemical mixture in the brain. I, I, I always find anybody who craves um, Western junk food, I think if they were being honest with themselves, is craving sugar, fat, like processed. Like that. that's what you, it's not, it's not a flavor based. It, it's a, it's a dopamine mm. based decision. I, I, I mean, I love all food. And I, and I love, but when I when I crave junk food, when I crave the burgers and stuff, it's 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 the dopamine hit you're chasing. It's mm. not flavor, really. No, I don't think it's just yeah. It's the most extreme version of what you can kind of go for to fill the gap. Mm. Um, and having having guidelines and understanding about how you should approach this when you're mm. faced with these decisions. Um, is that, and at the same time, I let people make mistakes. So during the rigidness, I let people make mistakes. Yeah, yeah. That's the best way we're going to learn. And then we reflect, and then we teach them how to reflect. And, and when do you when those decisions come across cut across their road again? And you link that then back to their why. That that's that's the the bigger thing that you link it back to to maintain uh, perspective. Yeah, and stuff. I mean that it also helps me. Mm. You may, a lot of the whys behind, like I'll reinforce that if I need to reinforce yep. their whys, if they start to diverge to another idea, is that how is this conducive to that long-term strategy? Mm. Unless that's what they want, if that's what they want to do, that's fine. It's like, okay, well, where's this new why coming from? And if that is it, there is a new why, then you have to change. And you know, most people, when you find their deep why, that doesn't, that rarely changes. People's goals change all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But their deep whys rarely change. Um, and that's, that's hardwired into our, uh, deep psychology, which 
are, are parts of the psychology that don't, you know, are pretty, are pretty fixed, you mm. know. Um, I'm always competitive. So yeah. I'm always going to have a competitive why. It, it's part of your scaffolding. Mm. Like if you think... The goals you, may change. Yeah, yeah exactly. Know. Yeah. Um, but the motivations behind every goal is going to be based on competitiveness. Yeah. So... Um, yeah, so I'm I'm always looking for long term goals, and then we always have to then establish short term strategy, uh, short term goals. So, what do we want to look like? What does this person want to do with training in five years' time? Do they still want to be training yeah. and eating? You know, in some part, most the answer is yes. You know, then what do you want to achieve in the next? You know, in the next year, and how are we going to break? How are we going to break that up? You know, so if they have a very specific goal they want to aim for. Obviously, then that's goal one, which then needs to establish goal two, um, or say set the second phase mm-hmm. of their training, which is establishing maintaining their progress before then using and using that off season phase to then develop part of their long term strategy, which then yeah. going back into another short term strategy, again, which they usually want to go for something else. Mm-hmm. Um, now, sometimes after goal A, people are lost and don't have any other don't have any other why. Yep, and so. If that is the case, that is still, you know, in, in it for some people, like that's just the end of the service with me and they move on. But I always tell people if they have goal A, and let's say that's going to take 12, 16 weeks, mm. you know, I say, then you need to be at least with me. I say it's 12 weeks. I said, you need to at least be with me at least another six weeks after it, six right. or 12 weeks after. And because we need to then establish that. And people will find this the hardest, not having a goal. They more want to go back to what they were doing exactly what they were doing but it's like you know we need to at least see that the behaviors you've taken on have have changed the way you think about food and most of the time 100 percent, yes most people think about food differently they now look at food as um how they you know how they can construct a meal how they can eat around nutrition yep. or eat, eat around training and um proper timing protein quality protein intake the types of foods they need to be having so at least now They've created some long-term strategy, whether that's following a rigid diet or not. They are now thinking about, and you always have to, mm. we always have to be thinking about food. If we're just left to our emotions, we will just, you know, rather, you know, you either have people in two categories, either overeat or undereat. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You've got to um, be disciplined. In, in the middle, in the, in the middle is where people don't, aren't good at. Um, and so we have to create awareness by understanding what our body is you know, is doing is like, you know, what its appetite is doing. So you can see a lot of, a lot of these goal setting stuff is more driven around, we're saying um, body image and nutrition and stuff like that. Mm. But it is also just as important around, around, um, around training as well, around uh, c- competing as well. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe an example is like creating a, creating a goal that for someone who is highly competitive rather than over obsessing on just the the one specific goal is that looking at the longer term goal and the and the small interim um, strategies yeah. along the way and creating a motivation around that meaning like you know how do we take a uh you know teaching te- actually teaching a competitor how to take a 50 percent approach is really important because some mm. you know people find it hard they're either 100 percent or nothing yes yeah 100 percent or nothing people will crash and burn all the time. Yeah, I'm one of those. Um, If I can teach someone who knows how to, who only knows how to go 100%, how to also go 50%, then they kill it. 
Yeah. Because most people don't know how to go 100%. But right, okay. They, they, like, they love going 50%, you know. Um, <laughs> Actually, thinking about it, that might be me. Um, um, but, it, but if you've got somebody who can be at 50 when they need to, but when they need to be, push to 100 and just turn it on, those are the best. Yeah. Um, the, the problem with people with 100% is that they either burn out yeah. because they always go 100%. Um, or they completely fall off the wagon. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so how do you teach them to stay at 50%? Mm. You know, and, you know, um, sometimes one of the best ways is that we just construct, we can const- we construct a motivation. Yeah. You know, so this means that, you know, we build a, a reason, a purpose behind, behind this. And then when they do that, they do feel better about it because they know they're making progress. Now they're still making progress and they're actually enjoying their life more. And they're not so anxious about being at a hundred percent all the time. Um, but then we move them to, um, but then when it's time to be game on, you know, it's game on. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, we've created, we've created like, you know, we just construct a purpose. And so that creates a motivation to, you know, knowing how to go 50% and enjoy, just enjoy life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that's a really good tool for someone who is a uh, a competitor. So, mm-hmm. you know, everyone's, we draw everyone in different directions. Yeah, everyone from different <coughs> different spectrums, different ends of the spectrum. Just it's, as, a, as a coach, it's being able to recognize all those different personality types and, and where, they, where they all sit. Yeah. And not only me just trying to pull them from point A to point B, but getting them to then understand where they are, why they are there, and then how they need to get there. Because me dragging someone, holding their hand just to a point point B doesn't yeah, work. Doesn't work. Yeah. I need them to be driven in that direct direction, intrinsically motivated to want to make those changes and decisions. Because if I just have to keep holding their hand, um, I'm not going to be there all the time. Yeah, you're going. You they're going to rebound as soon as you're not there. But yeah. that's also holding someone's hand at the start is very important too. Yeah, yeah. you know, but how over time we have to i have to get them to take take mm. the reins and and regulate it themselves you know how to regulate their own thinking training motivation habits mm. and okay and all that so and in the end i'm there as their consultant and keep them you know a form of you know external accountability yeah um which most elite people don't you know might not need if they've established a really good support system mm. around them, and but even a lot of the athletes don't even have a good support system as well. So I become their, so, you know, I become their support system. Yeah, so yeah, we yeah. then have to do. It becomes part of it too is working on their support system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I think a, a big point with the biggest point I think I came out of this one with, the, with people who are at a really high elite level is is that working on health and teaching someone to be motivated by health and how to fix address those things and even if i have to use it in a competitive way mm. let's say being being healthy will make you more competitive sometimes yeah. that's enough motivation you'll, for people to yeah. then you'll lift heavier if you're healthier yeah yeah so um and it really is the case like i i got a few of them quite a few of them and they came in came to me in poor shape you know mm. they're still strong as fuck yeah being strong as fuck doesn't mean you're healthy no, of course. You know, um, but if that's all I work on, their, their performance increases dramatically, dramatically in many ways. So, um, and then usually after a year or two working on that, 
then we can work on performance. Mm. So then now we take it to the next level. 